In this series, the All-In series, we're looking through the book of Ephesians and discovering the In Christ statements that we find throughout this book. This book is written by a man named Paul, the Apostle Paul, and he's writing this book to a real church in a real place, and it's been preserved in the Word of God so that we can read it even in our modern day today, and we can still find incredible biblical truth, even though it was written specifically to another group of people. These principles that we find in the Word of God are absolutely tremendous. In this passage, he talks about a mystery. As a child and a young boy, I would read the Hardy Boy novels. And I always, honest, as a boy of the late 80s and early 90s, I was wondering, why is the technology on these things so old? Then I looked it up just yesterday and I realized that they they were first written in 1927. Like, no wonder the technology was so old in these books. And in the Hardy Boys books, you have Frank and Joe, and Hardy is their last name, and they are detectives, and they go out and do these incredible things. Their parents are incredibly trusting. They solve these mysteries. And as you read through the novel, and maybe if you're not a reader, then you can think through of a movie. And you, and you watch this movie, you read through the novel, and for me, I have a hard time seeing the end. So as I'm reading through, like, who done it? Who did it? How was all of these clues going to come together to finally solve the crime? And as you finish the book, you go, now I see it. Now, when you look back and you think about various things, like you look at movies and you realize, oh, that's why they had that that particular scene. That's how everything worked together. In hindsight, you look back and you go, it makes perfect sense now. But as you're going through it, it's really confusing. That's what we find in this passage here we find the Apostle Paul is talking about a mystery to these people. These people are not Jewish people primarily. Many of these these people are are Gentiles. In other words, they're non-Jewish people. And now they've learned about this God, the Jehovah God, the God, the creator of the universe, who is not anything like the gods of, of their world and their society and now this god is a loving and caring god and he sent his son jesus who is god in the flesh and he lived a perfect life died on a cross rose from the dead and is now giving us life not just for today but for eternity and they place their trust upon christ as their savior and there's all these cultural things coming in do we need now to become jewish people or what's going on with our identity because i'm a gentile and i'm an ephesian and am i really should be going back and now becoming a Jewish person. All these things are going on. And in verse number six, the Apostle Paul says this, this mystery, which I'm very glad that he's very explicit. And because he was obviously writing to people like me who need things laid out very simply. What is this great mystery? This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. Throughout this series, we've been challenging our church family to connect and grow and serve, not in our own strength and not in our own ability, but to do that in Christ. 
And here we find there's a mystery that's been solved that Gentile people or non-Jewish people actually can be part of God's family. That was absolutely revolutionary at the time. And I want you to understand that you are part of something bigger and greater than just yourselves. Every Sunday we have a principle that we seek to apply to our lives. And this Sunday our principle is this. God is working to fulfill His promises in Christ. You, even being here today, your salvation, if you've placed your trust upon Christ as your Savior, you are saved, you are part of God's working to fulfill His promises in Christ. The Apostle Paul says this is a mystery because it's people are in the middle of it right here. And they're scratching their heads thinking, how does this all work? How do I become a follower of this Jewish God and this Jewish Messiah, Jesus, and I don't have to become a Jew? And now we now look back upon it and we go, of course we understand. It lays it out so simply. But Paul, his writing, and he's written in a number of different passages throughout his writings, explaining that, thank God, that now we don't have to go back to the law and follow the law. We don't have to go back and follow the Jewish customs and the sacrificial system. Now we are free from that, and we are fellow, as it says there, fellow heirs, members of the same body. The Apostle Paul, when he was writing this, in verse number one of, of Ephesians three, he describes himself as a prisoner. He says, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ. And then later on, in verse number seven, he describes himself as a minister according to the gift of God. Let me put you a little bit in the mindset. In the book of Acts, it records, and the book of Acts is like a history book of the beginnings uh, after the day of Pentecost. And in fact, it was Jesus uh, ascending up into heaven, giving a, a great commission, and then the, the day of Pentecost and the church booming forward and reaching people for Christ. And it also records the arrest of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul at this time was a Jewish man who was a follower of Jesus Christ, and he previously was a Pharisee, which was a religious leader, and now he's a follower of Jesus Christ, and all the religious leaders look back upon him and go, you aren't following the ways that we used to go. The Apostle Paul begins to minister to people that are Gentiles, and the religious leaders of, of Jerusalem look at him and go, what do you think you're doing? You can't talk to these people. The Jewish people would look upon Gentile people and they use this term. They would call them barbarians. Some of them would call them dogs, which is not a term of endearment. And they would look upon them as, we can't even look upon you, we can't eat with you. And now, Paul, you are eating with them and you are fellowship with them and you are teaching them about God. How dare you? And Paul, long story short, Paul goes back to Jerusalem and is falsely accused of desecrating the temple. He is arrested, and eventually he is sent to Rome to go to trial. After several years of, of being under arrest, he's sent to Rome, and he's writing now in Rome to this church in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. And he's writing them a letter and saying, I'm a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and it says there, on behalf of you Gentiles. Now, he's not accusing them and going, I'm here because you messed up. What he's saying here is, I'm 
arrested because I preached the gospel to you. And he goes on in verse number seven and says of this gospel. now I'm not just a prisoner. I'm also a minister. Go down to the end of that passage in verse number 13. If you have your Bibles open, you'll see it there. In verse number 13, it says, this is the goal, why he's writing this. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Talking about his suffering. My suffering is for your glory. He's writing them a word of, of comfort, but he's also helping them understand that they're part of something bigger and greater than just themselves. And all of that introduction is to bring us back into this passage. We're going to look at verses 6 through 12, and we're going to discover how we are different. Now, this passage here is a little bit deep. But I'm not going to try to make it dry and boring. I want you to turn around the attitude and going, this is actually deep and incredibly exciting because in the timeline of history, we look back upon the first century church, but we also look forward to the things that God is going to do in the future. And we are right here at this time. And this passage is talking about things that we're experiencing right now as we look back upon the past and we look forward to the future and how God is working in us and through us because we're part of something bigger and greater than ourselves. God works in different ways throughout the course of history. When God created man in the Genesis, we see how God interacted with Adam and Eve. He said that he walked in the cool of the evening with them. Can you imagine walking with God in a garden? That was, I, I, honestly, I cannot imagine how that would be. Can you imagine walking with the creator of the universe in the cool of the evening in a garden? That was the relationship that they had with Adam and Eve. We don't have that individual relationship to physically walk with God today. And then God began to work differently after the fall of mankind up until after Noah. Then you have the, the law was given with Moses and the relationship with God with Moses. And then you had the, the law and the, that, that time period when God worked in that way through prophets speaking. And then you had Jesus Christ coming, God in the flesh here on earth. And then he gives us the Holy Spirit. And now we are no longer under the law. Now we're in a time period known as the time period of grace. We are underneath grace during a period of time known as the church age. And that's where we are right now. And the Apostle Paul was explaining to this church, which we're going to read verses 1 through 13 in just a moment's time. He's explaining to this church that we're no longer under the law. Now we are entering into a new, not a new age movement, but a new age or a new age of grace where the church now is the focus of God's working. And then in the future, we'll see that God returns his blessings to Israel in the future. So let's read verses 1 through 13. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me. Look at the word mystery. How the mystery was made known to me by revelation. As I have written briefly, when you read this, you can perceive that my insight into the mystery of Christ which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, 
In other words, in the past, these people were, were blind to this. As it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given to me by the working of His power. To me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God, who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in Him. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. This morning we're going to very quickly look through something that is actually quite profound. But I want you to keep this in your mind, that you are part of something bigger and greater than just yourself. We're going to see four points this morning. The mystery in Christ, we have promise, power, plan, and purpose. And I can't take credit because I'm not a walking thesaurus. These words are straight out of the Bible. God alliterated this for us. Okay? As we have all these Ps, and maybe, and here's my challenge to you. I've been doing this with my family at lunchtime on, on, on Sunday lunch, and sometimes we succeed and sometimes we don't. So here's the, the challenge. Challenge each other to remember the four P's because they're straight out of Scripture. Remember the four P's. And if you can't remember four, remember at least one. Okay, that's my challenge. Your lunchtime game is to remember the four points. The first mystery we see in Christ is that we see a mystery in Christ with a promise. Verse number six says, The mystery that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise in Christ through the gospel. Romans chapter 11 is written by the Apostle Paul also. Romans 11, as well as Galatians 3, and there's other passages that speak about the fact that God has changed his focus from being solely upon the Jewish people. And now, because of Jesus Christ and his resurrection from the dead, now the gospel is for all mankind, not just for Jewish people. So previously, if you wanted to become a follower of God, you would have to go through a ceremonial system where you would become a Jewish person. Many Gentile people did that. They would go through the system and they would become Jewish people underneath the law even though they were not born Jews. And then from that, they would begin to worship God in the temple and worship God as, as every other Jew would do because they became followers of God. Here, we're not called to do that at all. It says now, we as remaining as Gentiles, we have an incredible promise. God removed his focus off of Israel and placed it upon the church for this time period. Romans chapter number 11 talks about that. 
There's a Bible commentator named Warren Wearsby. I'm going to read a paragraph that he wrote about this. He says, when Israel recovers from her fall, because remember, Israel rejected their Messiah, recovers from her fall and enters into her fullness, the world will experience the riches of God's grace as never before. When Jesus Christ returns and sits on David's throne to reign over his kingdom, then Israel will reconcile and receive what is like a resurrection. Romans chapter number 11 gives an illustration. The entire chapter is about the fact that God's focus is off of the Jewish people primarily because they have rejected God. And now it is opened up. And he uses an illustration that's kind of an odd illustration, but it actually makes beautiful sense once you, we understand the illustration. He talks about an olive tree. And he says, this olive tree has some branches, and these branches have been cut off. That is, Israel has been cut off. But in the meantime, there's some other wild olive branches, which are the Gentile people, that have been grafted into this well, the olive root system. Confusing illustration. But what he's saying there is, Israel, you rejected. He's no longer focusing upon you. Now he's focusing upon the, the Gentile, really all people. And it says in verse number 17, it's on the screen for you, it says this, But if some of the branches were broken off, and you, although a wild olive shoot, that is the Gentile people, were grafted in among the others, now share in the nourishing root of that olive tree. Here's something absolutely tremendous. We now, as Gentile people, have the wonderful privilege of being grafted into God's family as fellow heirs. Had not God done this, we would not have salvation like we do today. We wouldn't have the incredible privileges that we enjoy today. So quite literally, God has grafted us as branches that... that that when you cut off a branch, if you leave it lying there, what does it do? It shrivels up and dies. But he's taken that branch and he's grafted it into his own family. And once you graft something into your its strong rootstock, that branch that should have withered and died in the, in the pile now is receiving nourishment. And as a result of receiving that nourishment is now growing and able to produce fruit. And you have something far stronger as a result of the grafting. This is a beautiful illustration of what Jesus Christ has done with this promise. We have the promise in Christ Jesus. Not only is this mystery in the promise, we also see a mystery. There's another P word in, in Ephesians chapter number 3, which is the word power in verse number 7. Of this gospel, it says, I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. Here's the key. The Apostle Paul says, I have been given an incredible gift to share the gospel, but it's not because of my strength and not because of my ability or my power. It's solely because of what God has done. That's the source of power. My wife likes to make me scared. 
So she gives me birthday gifts, which was my birthday a couple of weeks ago. Thank you for those who gave me gifts. She gives me gifts that are experiences, and normally they're for her pleasure to watch me squirm. She purchased me an aerobatic flight, and I did it on Wednesday. It was a great deal of fun. Now, if you look at the photograph there, you've noticed the pilot. He's like 12 years old. The size of the plane, I'm glad he wasn't any bigger because it was tight. Many of you could not have fit in the plane. You, you walk out there with the pilot, and he shows you around, and he tells you that he, he literally said, I finished my flight school a couple months ago. I said, fantastic. This was not just a normal flight. It was an aerobatic flight, and it was it genuinely was a lot of fun. And I, I honestly say, I'm in church. I'm not lying. I was not scared. There's adrenaline and excitement, but that's not different than fear. But as we go along, he said, you can take off. Now, I know, like, literally you do this to take off. And he's doing all the rudders with his feet. And he's doing all the real work. But he makes me feel good because I take off. And we, we go around. And this is out, out of Jandakot. So we go and fly over Coburn Sound. And we fly along. We had to make a little bit of a turn because there's another plane's coming. And he's talking to the air traffic controllers. And he just says, go this way. And I go that way. And then, and he goes, go up to this amount of height, which well, I can't remember how many thousand feet, I think it was 3,000 feet, and then level off. So I'll do that. He's doing all the work, but he's letting me feel like I'm doing something. It's the equivalent of when you let your kids sit on your lap and they drive the car and they steer. All along, you're holding the steering wheel. Essentially, that's what he was doing, but I feel really good about it. And I'm flying along, and then he goes, let me take the controls now. Now it's time to do the aerobatic part. He just says, what do you want to do? I said, just, just have fun, because I have no idea what to expect. So he says, he says you have to hold on here, because otherwise your hands can fly around. So you don't want to hit him. And you hold on here, and then he goes, oh, yeah, are you ready to go? And he instantly turns and does a barrel loop. And it was so smooth. I could have been on roller coasters, and your head rocks around, and I expected to be jerked around, but it was so smooth. And as he flew... He went and did some loop-the-loops, and he did some things. And it goes from, I can fly because I did this, to a whole different level when he knows exactly what he's doing. We went up and did a couple of the things where you go up and you stall and you go back down again. It was a lot of fun. And I did not throw up at all. But I had literally no power. I had no ability to fly that plane. Had he fallen out somehow? I knew there was a button on the, on whatever that thing's called. And I could call it Mayday, Mayday, Mayday. <laughs> like, I don't know, what, what do you say? I had no idea. I had no power. I had no ability in and of myself. Had the pilot disappeared, there's no way I'm going to fly that plane down. I mean, I could, I, I could have landed it, but I would not have survived. And in a similar way, in a silly way, I, I'm gonna, you, you're going to hear lots of things because I, I get an experience like that, and you're going to hear lots of illustrations because when I look at those, those gifts that are experienced gifts, I go, fantastic. Now I have illustrations for multiple sermons. As we look at that passage in the Bible, in verse number 7, it says, by the working of His power. All of this took place not because of Michael's ability, not because of your ability, but because of God's ability. We see there the gospel, the word gospel is used, of this gospel. 
We see in, in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power. The power of who? It's not the power of Michael. It doesn't have your name in there. It says the power of God. He's the source of power. So this mystery that we enjoy, we have a promise of grafting in, but it's not in our own strength and our own ability. It's back to God. It says, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We see that it's God's power. Also in that verse number seven, it's called according to the gift of God's grace. The word grace is a word that simply means God's favor upon the undeserving. And we have a wonderful gift of grace. Ephesians chapter two, verses eight and nine says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and it is not your own doing. It is the gift of whose gift? It's not the gift of Michael. It's not the gift of you. It's the gift of God. Not the result of works, so that no one may boast. This is a mystery that is absolutely revolutionary to modern man. In our modern mindset, we talk about self-image. And I believe self-image is very important. But our self-image cannot rely upon just how good I am in and of myself. And in your gifts and your abilities, insular. It's because of who gives you value. Who has given you power? Who has given you grace? That gives you incredible value. Therefore, the Christian self-image should be incredibly high based upon the fact that there's a God, the creator of the universe, who loves us and cares for us, who has grafted us into his family, even though we were undeserving. We see God's, we see the mystery of promise, the mystery of power. We also see that there is a plan. It's nice to know that there is a plan. Any of you have built houses and you look at the plans and you see a bunch of lines and really the lines to the uneducated mean absolutely nothing until you understand that that line actually means a wall. And that measurement actually means a distance. And when you begin to understand and how to read the plans, the, the plans become alive. But if you show an, an uneducated person a bunch of lines on a page with a bunch of figures on the side, and you look at them and you go, here, read these plans, you're blind to them. You have no idea what it means. You have no idea that line means a wall or that there is an elevation. All you know is there's a bunch of squiggly lines on there. But to a person that understands how to read the plans, they instantly look at the plans and they go, I can see that, I can see this, and they can imagine three-dimensionally how that's all going to work by a bunch of lines on the, on the page. Verse number nine says this, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. So God had a plan from the very beginning of time. It did not take God by surprise that we are in the position of where we are today in our world. Everything that's happened, God knew exactly what was going to take place. That's why he reminded the Ephesians reminds us that God created all things. 
the fact that I find absolutely incredible. And I don't think I'll ever get over this fact that this, this is incredible. God knew all of our successes, but also all of our failures. And he still created us. That to me, I don't think I'll ever get over that fact that God, you still made me knowing what I was going to do and who I was going to be. Why would you create a person that's going to cause you to send your son Jesus to die on the cross? And he still created us. God had a plan from the very beginning. He talks about in this passage the fact that it's a message. Let me read verses 8 through 10 of that passage. It's to me. Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. Verse number 10. So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. Let's begin with the first part of verse number 10. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God. The church is the gathering together of believers. We've been gathered together, not as spiritual orphans to go through life and do life by ourselves. God created, or Jesus Christ created the church and started the church. He knows that we need that mutual encouragement. We, he knows that we need to be part of something bigger and greater than just ourselves. But he also understands that, that's the, the, that we have a message to share with those around us. In our world today, we live in a very dark world. And we think to ourselves, our world has never been as spiritually dark as it is today. But in the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 4, verses 2 through 4, we see that this has already being, been lived out 2,000 years ago. And we must begin not living in, in blindness to the fact that we live in a very dark world. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 2 through 4 says, this is a challenge to a young pastor. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season. And he gives him a list. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching. But having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions and will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. And verse number five continues on. As for you always, be sober-minded, endure suffering, do the work of an evangelist, fulfill your ministry. We have a message as a local church, and I'm the only message that we have is Jesus Christ. There's many things in our world that we can vie for our, our attention, but we must preach Jesus Christ. There's a message which is Jesus Christ. We also have a method, and the method is the church. There's a method that's being used. In verse number 10, it says, made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. I find this quite remarkable. As I was studying this verse out, because my initial thought of a cursory reading was the rules and authorities in heavenly places this is somehow talking about God. And that's actually incorrect. What it's talking about is 
angels and demons. It's talking about angels and demons. Let me read that verse with that in mind. So that through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might be made known to angels and demons. And as I was studying this out and reading many Bible commentaries and how they were trying to explain this, it came to light in this, this way. Satan, even though he's an incredible created being, he is not all-knowing. He only knows what has been presented before him. And God did not reveal to him the church and what he was going to do. So you imagine the death of Jesus Christ on the cross, how the celebration of Satan and the demons saying, we have defeated God. God is dead. He's now, we've, we've defeated him. And then Jesus, of course, rises from the dead. And you imagine, in a good way, how sad the demons were, <laughs> thankfully, and how despondent they were. And they thought, well, we're going to keep on fighting. And then Jesus Christ starts the church. And they're going along going, I don't understand this. And they have to totally change their methods and how they're going to attack God and attack God's people. On the other side of that is we have God's own angels. And the scripture talks about them searching the scriptures. The scripture talks about them rejoicing over one person who is saved. In the book of Luke, chapter 15, it says, Just so, I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. The angels rejoice in heaven. So in a wonderful way, when the angels are beginning to understand the manifold wisdom of God, it causes them to rejoice even more. And it goes on in 1 Peter chapter number 10. It talks about our salvation and it says concerning this salvation in 1 Peter. In the light of things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things, and here's the last line, things which angels long to look. It gives an understanding that this method of the church is something that was hidden from Satan, and it causes the angels to rejoice. God had a plan from the beginning of time, but not only did he have a plan, he also has a purpose. And from this, you and I have a purpose. As This is something that's quite deep, understanding the change and how people are, are different and how God is working and through courses of time and different time periods. We see that we are part of something bigger and greater than just ourselves. In that passage in verses 11 and 12. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. Today, God is working through Gentiles through the local church. God is working. And in the, the book of Galatians, I'm going to read a lengthy passage here in just a moment. In the book of Galatians, it talks about the fact that the, the reason why God has changed his focus up off of the Jewish people and onto the Gentiles. In Galatians chapter number 3, verses 23 through 29, it says, Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law 
imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. Previously, we had to follow the law of God, the Ten Commandments and the other laws of God. It goes on in verse number 24. So then the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come. In other words, Jesus Christ has come. We are no longer under a guardian. That is, we're no longer under the law. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons of God through faith. For as many as of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. We are grafted into God's family. And from that, that's how we receive our power and nourishment in order to produce fruit. As I said before, this is actually quite deep and profound. But you know what? Once we understand this, it's incredibly exciting and gives us wonderful value in Christ. But we also have a future. We have a past. We also have the future. And God's focus will return to Israel in after Jesus Christ comes back to earth. The focus will come back to Israel. In Romans chapter number 11, verses 25 and 26, it says this, Lest you be wise in your own sight, I do not want you to be unaware of this mystery, brothers. A partial hardening has come upon Israel. That is, at that particular time period, in the time period where we are now in, there is a partial hardening of Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. We are part of something bigger and greater than just ourselves. There's an incredible mystery we find here. This mystery in Christ, we find that we have promise, we have power, we have a plan, and finally we have a purpose. So right now, us as a local church, we are fulfilling God's eternal plan that will one day be fully revealed in eternity. I find that incredibly exciting. And it comes from not just something fluffy and out, out there. This is coming, something that's actually deep and profound. And as we study God's eternal plan from the beginning to the end of time, we must understand that you are part of something bigger and greater than yourself. And I hope that as you leave today, that leaves you encouraged knowing that what we're doing, even though it may seem difficult, even though it may seem at times overwhelming, it's all part of God's eternal plan. He says, I have a mystery that's found in Christ.